Hello and welcome to SYP Rewind. We're not going to call it SYP today, Rewind. We're going to do SYP Rewind, I think, from now on. Even though this is still going to go on SYP today, we're going to call it SYP Rewind because it's shorter and I think it sounds better. Uh, this is Biggie Ian McNaughton here. Uh, going to talk to you today because, you know, there's no sports and I have nothing else to do. I'm going to talk to you about the 2009 Stanley Cup Finals Game 7 between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Detroit Red Wings. Now, this is kind of a doubleheader. This is, we're going to release two at the same time, uh, SYP Rewind Pods. Uh, the other one is going to be on the 2010 Winter Olympics Men's Hockey Gold Medal Game between the U.S. and Canada. So really, this is just a doubleheader of disappointment. We're going to call it a doubleheader of disappointment. Um, the 2009 Stanley Cup Finals Game 7 is such a fascinating one because you have to remember, when you get into a Game 7 situation, especially in a championship final situation, in any sport, whether you get to... Uh, basketball or hockey or baseball, or you get to the Super Bowl, it's going to be tense for for a bit. It's going to be a tense period until you start getting comfortable and you just, you know, you realize you're playing a game. Yes, it's not like any other game, but you got to play a game. And that was exactly what we had here with this game. So in the lead up to this game, uh, Detroit beat Pittsburgh in six games last year in 2008 to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, both Marion Hossa and Ty Conklin, this is the other key people that we talk about is Ty Conklin, they both signed contracts to play with Detroit in 2008-2009 after playing for Pittsburgh the year before and losing to Detroit. So they basically jumped ship in Pittsburgh to go to the team that beat them. Uh, we'll get into that a bit later, but just fun note. Uh, ESPN at the beginning of the year rated... Uh, Pittsburgh as the best Eastern Conference team in the preseason, fifth overall in the NHL. Uh, I didn't see where Detroit was rated, but I'm assuming it was probably in the top four of teams. Um, Detroit finished 13 points ahead of Pittsburgh in the regular season. I believe they finished, Pittsburgh had 99, so let me do the math, don't judge. Detroit had 112. I think that's right. 109 plus, no, 99 plus 13. Yeah, 112. 112. Um, pre-game notes before this game. So that was just the lead-up to the finals pre-game notes. So Pittsburgh won game 6, 2-1 to tie the series 3-3. Um, they fired Michelle Terry in for Dan Bilesma on February 15th. That should have been in the lead-up, but it's in the pre-game notes. Um, every game in this series was decided by two goals, uh, with the exception of Game 5 of this series, which was 5 nothing for Detroit, and Game 6, which I just said was 2-1 for Pittsburgh. Pavel Datsuk had been injured for quite a while leading up to even the finals. He missed the first four games of the finals. He returned in Game 5, and he had just two assists in the entire finals, including Game 7. So in three games, he had just two assists. Sidney Crosby had 31 points in these playoffs in 24 games, I believe, total Pittsburgh played. Uh, three of those points just came in the finals. 
And again, Malkin led Pittsburgh with 36 points in the playoffs, and he averaged a point over a point per game. He had eight points in seven games in the finals. So as the game starts, we don't actually get any scoring until the second period. So there's no score after 20. At 113 into the second period, Pittsburgh scores. Max Talbot gets the Penguins on the board. There's a bad turnover in the corner by Brad Stewart of the Red Wings uh, in his own zone. He puts the puck pretty much right on Talbot's stick in front of Chris Osgood. Talbot makes no mistake. He scores, and Pittsburgh's up 1-0. Um, tough break for Brad Stewart, but night, you know, you, in sports, you take advantage of others' mistakes. That's just how it is. Uh, so pretty much Pittsburgh's up 1-0. They got momentum in the second period now. Fast forward to almost 10 minutes later, 2-1-1 for Pittsburgh with Max Talbot, and I think it's Tyler Kennedy. Uh... Talbot keeps it, and then he snipes it past Osgood, glove high, top shelf, as Talbot just bursts through the right wing. And he makes no mistake again. So Talbot, within about 10 minutes, has two goals for Pittsburgh, and the Penguins are up 2-0. Again, it's tough in the Game 7 situation where it's just, it's tight. Everybody's just tense. They're like, oh my god, it's a Game 7. And, you know... Really, that really helped Pittsburgh, and I think it especially helped Talbot that he got the first goal. And then getting that second goal, I'm sure he just felt like he was on cloud nine. Um, the third, we jump into the third period. Detroit finally gets on the board, thanks to Jonathan Erickson. 13-53 uh, into the third period. Erickson gets a feed from Nick, Nick Lidstrom. And Erickson slaps it from about as far as away as he could be from Flurry, And like... Like the corner of like the blue line in the bench, and he just shoots it from you know slap shot from like right where like the boards and the blue line meet pretty much, and it still beats him glove high, and Pittsburgh is up two one now. So Detroit, you know, it's cut the deficit in half. The Red Wings are trying to make some noise. The game's in the Joe, um, so you know Detroit's got the home ice advantage. But now they're starting to make a push. Now things are starting to come together here. And now things are getting interesting. Uh, Detroit has one last final push at the end. Unfortunately, because I'm a Red Wings fan, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury makes a big save at the end of the game to win the game, hold on to the lead as Pittsburgh wins 2-1 for their first Stanley Cup victory, I believe, since 1992. They went through a really tough patch between... um, you know, the late 90s and the early 2000s was a tough patch for them. They had Mario. Mario had to, Mario had to basically buy the team because he didn't get his salaries. And basically, they just gave him the team because, you know, he could afford it. He could pay for the team. So he just bought the team. He's still the majority owner of the team. Um this was great for the city of Pittsburgh. They've got the first Stanley Cup in nineteen ninety since nineteen ninety two. This this actually came four months after they won the Super Bowl. Pittsburgh, not the Penguins, but the Steelers won the Super Bowl against the Arizona Cardinals. So at the parade that they had for the Steelers, or for, for the Penguins, pardon me, the parade had about three hundred and seventy five thousand people come out for the Pittsburgh Penguins celebrating their championship so that was 
pretty cool, I, I must admit. Um, so let's talk about some post-game notes. So really, I can't be disappointed as a Red Wings fan watching this game. I mean, obviously, on paper, we had the better team. We had, um, you know, Nick Lidstrom, who just missed you know, the goal at the end. Pavel Datsuk, Henrik Zetterberg, Erickson was in his prime. Chris Osgood was really good. Um, Holmstrom, Danny Cleary, Johan Franzen. Like, we had a bunch of awesome players. But really, as a Red Wings fan, I can't be too upset with this loss. Because that, you know, that 2009 Penguins team, if you look, at, if you look back at it and you look at how hockey evolved from early 2000s to the late 2000s, from clutch and grab to more of a speed game and a finesse game, that 2009 Penguins team was really one of the best teams, best skilled teams of this decade. And and so were the 09 Red Wings. But the 2009 Pittsburgh Penguins were just a good team with all-around talented players. Um, you know, Sidney Crosby's a Hall of Famer, and actually he scored his biggest goal about eight months later after this game. Um, you know, you can't say enough about Sidney Crosby, three-time Stanley Cup champion. You, you can't say enough about him. Same with Evgeny Malkin, three-time Stanley Cup champion. Um, you know, he's a talented and phenomenal player that you just can't deny how, you know, how much of an impact he's had on this team. And then you have Marc-Andre Fleury, who is one of the best goalies of my generation. Absolutely fantastic goaltender um you know he got he got both cups with pittsburgh but he didn't get the second one uh because i think matt murray was the starting goalie but i believe he was the starter for one of those teams when they went back to back in the mid 2010s but you know the this this penguins team just had a lot of guys that you knew were going to be great and you knew Detroit had guys that were great and that were all-stars. But, you know, as a Red Wings fan, it's like, well, we already won in 2008. Um, you know, these guys are world-class athletes. And as much as you want to win, like, you really do, like, as much as you really want to be victorious, you have to, you have to, how do I put this? Re- respect the competition. Like, respect, I don't I don't know how to put this, but it's just like you have to respect when when you see a world class athlete or somebody who is the best at what they do, you have to show them the respect. And that's what you got with Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby is the best at what he does. Mark Andre Fleury is arguably the best at what he does when healthy. Um, you know, Detroit obviously had those guys too, but it's just you know. They were the better team. They won two one in Game Seven in Detroit. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. You live with it. You know, you wish things could have gone different, but you understand. Like I, I'm understanding. I'm you know, I'm aware of how it went down. But do I? I wish it could have been different. But I get. I'm not. I'm not heartbroken. Like this isn't really. I'm more heartbroken over other events than I am this event. Um, that's an, one post-game note. Second post-game note, this is really the last 
good Red Wings team that we see, this 0809 team. Um, you know, I, I believe it's the last Red Wings team. I, I just want to confirm it's the last Red Wings team that won 50 games. Uh, it's the last Red Wings team that's been to the finals. Uh, you know, like, yeah. So in 08 09, they won 50 games. 09 10, they won 44, lost to the Sharks in the second round. 10 11, they won 47 games, lost to the Sharks in the second round. 11 12, they won 48 games, they lost to Nashville in the first round. Uh, in the lockout year of 2012 2013, they won 24 games, they lost to Chicago in the second round. Um, yeah, you know, like that two, this game, this 2009 game seven was really the last good game at the Joe. I, I think you can make an argument for that. It was the last good game there. Uh, this was the last good Red Wings team. Things have pretty much fallen down and fallen off in the last 10 years since then. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's just, it's tough. It is what it is. And, like, it, it's... It, it's frustrating, but there'll be better times when we get Alexis Lafreniere. Things are looking positive. So that was another thing. It's just last good game at the Joe, last good Red Wings team. Uh, I miss the old CBC and NBC graphics. And I love the NBC broadcast team for this game, Mike Emmerich, Eddie Olshek. They are a, a top three. They are on the Mount Rushmore of best NHL announcing crew in the league. I know the Athletic came out with their um, sort of study and analysis on who are the best announcers. Emmerich and Olszewski have to be up there as Mount on Mount Rushmore. Uh, the, like active broadcasters, they are up there. Those guys are incredible. Mike Emmerich... He, he just keeps you intrigued. He just keeps you wanting, you know, he keeps you wanting more action because he calls it so beautifully. Like, he, he gets excited. He, he seems like he's interested. He wants to call more action. He wants to be a part of the action. And, and they both do an excellent job. Eddie Olchuk is a smart guy, too. He really knows what's up. And... I love the NBC broadcast team more than I like the CBC team. I don't mind Jim Houston and Craig Simpson, but they don't like the problem with the Canadian broadcasters is just they overanalyze the game and they put so much thought into it. it it's just excessive. Like the American guys, they don't overthink it. They just are honest with what's going on. They they don't you know try and put words or you know float out odd I you know odd ideas of potential, oh, what if, like, they just call the game, they just call the game, they just make it listenable, I, I would way rather, way rather watch a game on NBC than I would on CBC or Sportsnet, and I, I have had this theory for a while, like, at least the last six or seven years, like, before the contract, like, obviously, TSN had some really good guys, I love Ray Ferraro, love Gordon Miller. Love Chris Cuthbert. Uh, Jamie McClendon's a smart guy. I don't know if O-Dog does games, but O-Dog's a nice guy to listen to, too. But 
the NBC team just Old Trek and Doc Emmerich, they just blow any they are better than anybody in Canada who calls games. Um Another post game note, Dan Bilesma, who replaced Terry in, in February, uh, he became the first rookie coach since nineteen eighty six to win the cup, which is actually kind of funny because now Dan Bilesma is in D- Detroit as an assistant to Jeff Blaschel. Uh I would love to see love to see love to see uh as head coach and Blashill gone. I, I I've been saying for the last three, four years that Blashill needs to be gone. Bla- uh Bosma, smart guy, knowledgeable and sometimes things just run its course and I think that's what happened uh, in Pittsburgh, it's that things just ran its course and just didn't work out. And sometimes you just need to make a change. So, you know, good for Bosma for at least becoming, you know, the first rookie coach since 86 to win the cup. Uh, hopefully he gets the head coaching gig in Detroit. I would not mind that. I would not be surprised if if in the next couple of years, Eisenman does it. I would not be, here's the thing. Before we go, I'm going to go back to this game in a second, but I'll just talk about the current ring, wings. I would not be surprised if Blasio is the coach for one more year and then Bilesman gets the gig. Would not be surprised. Uh, depends on who they draft and if they get Lafreniere because then the franchise will pretty much revolve around Hill. Re- revolve around him and what he wants. All right, let's go to some what-ifs. I have four what-ifs for this game. Um, what if Hosa and Ty Conklin... Stay with Pittsburgh. What if they re-sign in Pittsburgh? Um, uh, Pittsburgh's main right wingers in the 08-09 season were Peter Sikora, Miroslav Satan, and Eric Goddard, and pretty and they got 16 games out of Bill Guerin, but he was I think injured for most of the year, and they just you know kept revolving around you know trying to find somebody else to fill that last spot. Hosa, I think, definitely could have fit in there. Uh, none of those guys hit 50 points. None of those guys played 82 games. Hosa could definitely have fit in with Pittsburgh that team on that team, on that squad. But there's definitely a question of at what cost. Because uh, definitely you're losing either something on D or at other positions if you decide to sign... If you decide to sign Marion Hosa again, uh, as for Conklin, their backup goalie was Danny Sabrin. I don't know. I, I, I think Conklin's a better goalie than Sabrin, but Conklin it was really going to be a backup. He wasn't going to replace Flurry. And Conklin signed a gig in Detroit knowing he was going to be a backup. He, he wasn't going to replace Chris Osgood. So. You know, they might have re-signed him as well. But, again, at what cost, right? Like, you know, get the cheaper backup or... You know, Fleury, like... You have to remember, when with these things, there's always a cost to it. And, you know, Fleury pretty much played every game of the playoffs for Pittsburgh. Like, Sabrin only played one game, and he only made eight saves. Like, he came in, I think, in relief. So... 
you know, it was Fleury's team and it was Chris Osgood's team. So either way, Conklin's not getting a starting gig. He knows it's going to be a backup. Why not be the backup for Detroit, I guess, if they're the Stanley Cup winning team. But nonetheless, I don't know how much of a difference it makes in this game. I think Pittsburgh might have been better all year, but it might have also caused, you know, you don't know what the chemistry like, and you don't know what the locker room's like. Like, Hosa, I don't know what he's like in the locker room. I'm sure he's a good guy, but it's just you don't know, you know, if he's not contributing, how does that make somebody else feel? How does it make the coach feel? Yada, yada, yada. Um, what if Pittsburgh doesn't fire Michelle Darian in, in February? What if they just keep him on for the rest of the year? If, uh, you know, they just decide, hey, you know what? Uh, we're going to keep you. We believe in you, and this thing will change. Now... I would think that would make Pittsburgh would still be a wild or a playoff team. I, I would still think the Penguins would make the playoffs if they hadn't shelled Darian as their head coach. But I don't know if they're a cup team. I I think they were on such a momentum swing once they got Bilesma in the building because he was the AHL coach for Pittsburgh. He was coaching Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, um, you know, and they were doing all right there, but. I think once Bilesma came in, just the whole momentum change, the locker room change, the chemistry change, I, I think things got better. And if they kept Terry in, I, I don't know. I think you're playing with fire. I don't know that they reach that next level. I don't know that Crosby, Malkin, and Flurry all reach that next level in the playoffs. Um, that is an interesting what if. And I always, you know, you always wonder with a coach, what if they don't get rid of him? Or what if they you know, keep him or above, you know. In the case of Terry and in Pittsburgh, I, I don't think they're a cup team. I don't know if they either lose to Washington or New Jersey along the way. I, I, I can't say for sure, but I don't know if they're a cup team. Um, in games, what if? What if Brad Stewart doesn't turn the puck over on the first Talbot goal in the second period? So, does Pittsburgh score first then? I mean, I'm guessing so because that's how the summary of the game went. But, you know, maybe Detroit could have kept the momentum up a little. It was very balanced. Like, the game was very balanced. It was very even, uh, you know, through the first period. Like, it, it, you know, it didn't seem like either team had a real advantage over one another. Because, again, it's a game seven. It's tight. People are, you know just trying to make it out alive that's what the game seven is it's just trying to make it out alive without really fucking up and you know no one really fucked up not totally except for brad stewart because he you know gave the puck up and talbot converted on the opportunity you know there wasn't a lot of shots in this game either like detroit had 24 shots on goal pittsburgh at 18 like these two teams were both very sound defensively, and as a result, the offensive players probably weren't as effective. And and the goaltending was really strong, too. But if Brad Stewart doesn't make that turnover, I guess Talbot would have scored later on, and maybe that would have, you know, you know instead of a 2 nothing game, it's a 1 nothing game, and then Erickson scores, so it's a 1-1 game. Yeah. Again, these are all just things you you know. These are all situations that you just play in your head. 
the night after, you know, the, when you go to bed after you lose. It, it's all the stuff that you just, you know, what if, what if, what if, and you can't think like that. You have to think about what actually happened. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's a, you know, it was, it was a big deal. It's just, I'm sure he has nightmares thinking about, like, I'm sure Brad Stewart's probably thinking about that maybe every single day. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he thinks about that every single day, turning the puck over in the corner, putting it pretty much on Talbot's stick and Talbot scores, and he, like, afterwards he's, like, just demoted. Like, you, you can't be after that. You, you, you just feel so shameful for what you've just done. Um... Don't know if it, again, in the end, I don't know if it makes that much of a difference. It, it, it might keep the game closer. But you just can't think like that. You just can't think like that. Um, finally, my last what if. Um, and maybe I'll think of more as I, you know, keep talking about it. But what if Flurry doesn't make the save at the end? What if Lidstrom scores at the very last second and, you know, the game, instead of being 2-1 Pittsburgh, we're now 2-2. Well, we go to overtime, and it would be the first Stanley Cup Game 7 OT since 1954, which Detroit won over Montreal. Lidstrom probably would have had his biggest in-game moment of his career. Um, you know, I... I when you think of Nick Lidstrom, I, I do, this is just my opinion, there's not a whole lot of in-game stuff that stands out. He was just such a highly effective D-man all over the place, all the time. Like, I, the, the, the three, I'm going to say three in-game moments that he had that were the most memorable to myself were uh, scoring... On Cluche at center ice in 01, I believe it was. I believe it was 01 when they were struggling against Vancouver. Maybe it was 02. No, I think it was 02. 02 when they were struggling against Vancouver. And then Lidstrom just scores at center ice, I think, to end the period. And it basically just changed momentum. And Detroit just took over and dominated the Canucks for the rest of the series. There's that goal from Lidstrom. There's the goal on against, I think it's Dan Ellis of the National Predators, where he scored on center ice there. He scored at center, basically another slapper right at center, and he just scored. So there's those two goals that I guess are the most memorable for myself. And there's also the play against the San Jose Shark, where he saves a goal in the postseason there. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I just, there, there's... There's no big in-game moment for me, and I would think that if Lidstrom scores a goal against Flurry to tie it in Game 7 at home of the Stanley Cup Finals, that's got to be your biggest moment of your career. I, I, I would be hard-pressed to say otherwise. So that that, that would have been a bit... And then maybe his biggest moment of his career was winning the Stanley Cup the year before. Uh, it's the first European born and race captain to raise the cup that's probably his biggest moment of his career but i would say the biggest on ice in game moment where those two goals and against the sharks in the postseason where he dived and saved the puck from going in the net 
other than that, I, I think the Stanley Cup probably is his biggest moment and probably would be bigger than if he scored the game-winning, game-tying goal in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals because he actually won the cup, the cup compared to just tying the game. So there's that aspect of it from the Detroit perspective of Nick Litchum. There's always a perspective of it from Pittsburgh. I have no idea how overtime would have gone in this game. No idea. Crosby might have got another golden goal for Pittsburgh in the NHL. But I don't know if we think... Let's say we go to overtime and Detroit wins. Do we think as highly of Crosby and Malkin and Flurry as we do now if they only have two cups? I mean, two cups back-to-back is, you know, no small milestone either. But do we really think of them as being the elite world-class all-stars that we do if they only have two cups and not the third one, including beating a stacked and overpowered Detroit team. I don't know that it's just another hypothetical that you always just wonder and think, but there, there is there is a pathway where, you know, Lidstrom scores, Detroit wins, and people are like, yeah, it's Crosby and, like, Crosby, I, I, I don't think Crosby will get would get the flack as much. Probably Malkin would get you know flack because uh, Crosby gets got the Olympic gold too. But you know, I, and I think Flurry maybe gets a little bit you know isn't praised as much. But I still think Flurry for what he's done for the Golden Knights in Vegas, you know, deserves a lot of respect and deserves a lot of praise. It, it's maybe Malkin. I think Malkin maybe takes the biggest hit out of all of this because Malkin hasn't won uh, an, an Olympic medal. Grant, I don't think no Flurry has. Flurry was the Flurry was the third goalie for Canada in 2010. Um, you know, and there's always you know with the Crosby and Ovi thing where Ovi finally got his cup, and, you know, I don't know what the conversation's like if Crosby has just two cups and Ovi has one. It's just, you you don't know. But I think maybe if there's, you know, another pathway of, well, if Pittsburgh wins it in overtime, then it's, you know, then I don't I don't think they'd be even higher now. I don't think they would get even more respect or you know praise, but they would definitely have somebody on the team who would be more respected, or uh, you know get more attention. And maybe that's Crosby or Malkin who would get that goal. I wouldn't be shocked if Malkin got the game winning goal in overtime. He was just that good this postseason. He had, you know had a point per game in the finals. Uh, he, he didn't have a point in this game, so maybe he would have got it if he went to overtime. I don't know. Uh, but Malkin, I think, probably takes the biggest hit if they lose in overtime. And whoever scores the goal for Pittsburgh probably gets the you know biggest attention raise. Or, you know, it's thought of more highly if they score for Pittsburgh. Like, if, whether it's Crosby or Malkin or Latang. Or, or whoever. So, and for Detroit, well, if they win in overtime, well, then you're back-to-back cup champions. You you, you maybe have the greatest team of the decade. I, I would argue that... I don't know if it's the 09 Penguins that's the best team of this decade, but it's up there. 
Um, if if the if the Red Wings in two thousand nine win the cup, I think they have an argument for the greatest team of all time. That I I I I be hard to think otherwise. And if the Red Wings win the cup, I think we're saying that Ken Holland is maybe the greatest GM of all time for what he did for that team. So, and if Detroit loses in overtime, well, they're at the same spot they're at now. The franchise just goes down. This is still their best season. Not much changes if they lose in overtime, but they have a lot to gain if they win in overtime. Um, yeah, that's... That's it, really it. That's the 2009 Stanley Cup Finals Game 7 between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Detroit Red Wings. Again, Pittsburgh wins 2-1. Flurry with the big save. Max Talbot with two goals. Red Wings haven't been the save since. That SYP Rewind. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we got another special one coming up here. It's a doubleheader, double release. You want to listen to it. Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Peace out out.